What's up, what's up, everybody? It's Danny Green back with more Inside the Green Room. My co-host and my guy, Harrison Sanford, have a lot to discuss today. One being how COVID has hit and affected our league and specific my team. Um, also, recently got a chance to interview my guy, Matisse Thibel, another teammate of mine. Let's get into it. We're back with more Inside the Green Room. That's Danny Green. I'm Harrison Sanford. We've taped a number of episodes, but never really got to release them because so much has happened in the NBA. So stay tuned for this episode. We have an interview with Matisse Thibel. Uh, we talked about Danny's uh, recent trending uh, streak on Twitter, Instagram for some comments that he made. And obviously he had a career high in three-pointers made. Uh, but we jump right back into this episode because something major happened in the NBA. James Harden got traded from the Houston Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets, which kind of put the 76ers in potentially in a hole when it comes to winning an NBA Finals. Danny, where were you when you got the news yesterday? And give us the vibe of the team following that news. Yeah, I was kind of shocked at first. Not much shocks me anymore in this league, so I wasn't too surprised. But I was shocked at how fast the deal got done. You know, obviously James has let it be known how uncomfortable or how um, uneasy he was staying in Houston. And he let know publicly just the day before. So then to get a deal done that fast, I was more shocked at that than actually a deal happening. Now, when they said it was to Brooklyn, I was wondering who was in the trade and you know who they had to give up, who had to get in return. Um, but I said they, they kept Kyrie and KD, which was a shocker to me, and added James. Obviously, they're you know, a three-headed monster now. It's a big threat. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to me to see how they make it work. I honestly think that the pieces they lost, the chemistry they had, was very good. Um, but in, in other words, they didn't really know what was going on with Kyrie. Like Kyrie's off the grid to kind of find him. Uh, but when he's there, when everybody's healthy, when KD's back, uh, they're a monster of a team already. Uh, so no adding that, I said it's going to be interesting. But um, I don't know how they're going to make it work, but it's going to be it's going to be impressive if they do make it work. So I, obviously you're, you're cool with uh, Ben Simmons, and his name was popular in these trade mm -hmm. uh, discussions. Have you discussed it with him yet? Have you gotten how his, his thoughts maybe have changed or how he took all the news because his name was popular yesterday? And, and it's assumed that if the trade did happen where Harden comes back to the Sixers, that he would have been the key piece involved. Uh, we had not spoken about it. Um, you know, a couple guys have, we've had conversations. I've talked to Bias a little bit here and obviously because I, I know him well. I know Ben well now too. We're pretty close, but you know, we would focus on us and whatever happens outside of us, we can't control. So we were worried about getting better as a group individually. And we were playing good basketball up until, you know, COVID thing happened. Um, so we haven't spoken about it. We haven't focused or worried about it. We're worried about getting healthy and playing good basketball. If it happened, it happened. Um, so that's some out of our control. But right now and, and then we're still continuing to focus on us. So uh, now that you guys have are looking at potentially playing against this team, this Brooklyn Nets team that's very good because of those three players and, and, and the Milwaukee Bucks. How do you evaluate where your standing is in the league? And does this potentially change expectations that you might have? Because yes, the goal is to still win a championship, but you also have to set realistic expectations, whatever they might be. For sure. Um, you know, with, with, with everything going on and how, how much of a frenzy the league is in, postponements, um, you know, COVID things. Standings obviously are important, but they're not important right now. We're trying to get back healthy. We're trying to get everybody back. Uh, but our expectations are always the same. It's always been the same. That's to continue to win every game we step on the floor and to win a championship. So it hasn't changed. Um, or, you know, we have gone off route or course 
we just want to get back healthy. Um, obviously, keep winning games, be in the standings. But you know, at the end of the day, the standings may not matter again. We might not have fans again when we play in the playoffs, but hopefully we do. Um, hopefully, we have home court advantage. But at the same time, so we just want to get back to playing basketball and being healthy. And we feel like we're, regardless of what the, what the standings are, we're in the playoffs. We feel like we have a good shot um, with the group that we have. And if we're playing the basketball we were playing before, you know, things went down. Cannot believe you started the new year and started the first show of our new year without introducing yourself the proper way. Nah. Because rumor, rumor has it, rumor has it, according to Dwight Howard, that the Sixers are now calling you Mr. Three Rings. <laughs> Is that what he told you? That's what he said in the press conference after tonight's win. We're recording this, by the way, after Danny went off uh, against the Miami Heat in an undermanned game for both teams. Uh, and had nine three-pointers and Joel put on an MVP-like performance. But yes, you are supposedly now Mr. Three Rings. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I don't feel the need to remind people, but... Uh, but there was, was somebody that, you had to remind. There was uh, a random fan that had to remind, but, you know, it comes with the territory. You know, you have a bad game, you play 72, you're not going to have all great games. And that's just how it happens. And obviously people have their little... Um, comments about, oh, yeah, you didn't contribute and do this, do that. However, I want to take it to your opinion. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, but I'm here trying to win another one with the 76ers. We did have a rough game. We all have been undermanned. And uh, one of these nights had to show up in order for us to get a win. And it's been it was a tough one uh, the other night against Miami. So we got to see them again. Uh, so you got to hopefully, or Joel can put an MVP performance. Hopefully, we have more bodies and those bodies don't foul out with, uh, you know, Ben and Tyrese. And, um, you know, hopefully we don't have to go in overtime. We have to play 50 minutes because the body right now, uh, it's been a while since I played back-to-back -back games, what, 30 plus, let alone 50. So um, I'll let you know how I feel in the morning after, after a 50-minute game. Yeah, yeah, you definitely went through it. So well, first, first and foremost, so it's friends and family that were allowed in Atlanta? Is that what it was? I don't know how they do it, man. In certain places they have fans. I don't know how they, because they don't ask us if we want to bring people or not. Um, I asked uh, one of our staff, how does that work? Um, I think it's some season ticket holders, but Atlanta's been open. You know, Texas has been open. I think Arizona, Utah, some cities have been open. Um, but I guess it's just some of their season ticket holders and some of their family and friends, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, they had a, I don't know, how, it seems so spread out. So it's hard to even, I guess, guess how many fans. It might be 5,000. Arena holds 20,000. So it might be like 5,000 there. Uh, but it only looks like 500 because those space outs and anybody heckles you or says anything, the whole arena can hear it or see it. Uh, so all night, this dude kept going on and on, you know, talking his shit. And uh, eventually he found his way to the tunnel. He wasn't sitting there originally. He had to walk all the way around just to go viral and wanted to comment and is begging for a response. So I gave him one. Um, probably yeah, he also go ahead, go ahead. I probably should have ignored it, man, but it's been a long couple times. We had a undermanned couple of games with long couple of days and you know some frustration there but I mean he said he was begging for a comment man just to go viral or whatever but he got up out of his seat that wasn't his original seat but he's all game kept going so oh and obviously there's not a lot of people in the crowd so you could hear if somebody's going in that's you could I'm hear saying. them that's what I'm saying is it they said it's, I mean I think most readers think like 5,000 in but I think it seems like 500 because it's so 
little sprinkle of people around. So if he's yelling, it's so quiet in there, you're going to hear it. So all game, he's, you know, chirping, yelling. I'm just like, man, sit down, shut up, watch the game. Like, you're lucky you're here. You're allowed to be here right now. Um, and I, if I wanted to, I could have said, you know, have him removed. I didn't care, just let him. But he found his way, said to the tunnel to try to make a comment or get a video just so he can go viral. And, you know, he was begging for a response, so I gave him one. Yeah, well, as, as you, as we talked about before the show with our producer, Amjad Osman, uh, it, it, it ended up with you being uh, trending on Twitter and tw trending on social media again. Yeah, um, I hate that I've been trending, especially <laughs> for the bad things, man. Um, Hopefully the it's looking up. Hopefully on this side we can get trending for some better things um, on the East Coast. For sure. Uh, so wait, uh, before we move on. So Ken, are you going to be Danny Three Rings Green, or we're going to? I don't know, Mister Three Rings Danny Green. How are we doing this now? I didn't give. It's got to be a name. thing. <laughs> I didn't give myself that nickname, but if they're going to call me that, 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 that's cool with me. Um, but I'm trying to, you know, get the fourth one. We're working on getting back healthy, getting everybody back on board, and having our uh, we definitely need to call in the troops. We need some some extra bodies, but um, and hopefully get back rolling because we were rolling before you know the COVID thing happened uh, with most teams and our team specifically. Uh, but if we get back to that, I think we you know we have a, a good, pretty good chance at doing something special. And and that's one thing. And I think the people who watch our show or listen to our show, uh, who've watched us over time, I think they understand, uh, and, and you very much understand who you are as a basketball player. So with COVID kind of hitting the team and forcing all of these inactives and out for protocols and things of that nature, some of these games, like for example, that Atlanta game, your shot profile is not the same shot profile as it would have been if Seth was, was healthy, if Ben was able to play. Think, and you know, obviously you guys have been out with, without Furcon for a while now, but even having Matisse in there so he can play a couple of minutes here and there or not having to overextend Tyrese Maxey all these things matter if you're not yourself a primary shot creator. You For are sure. more of a shot, you're a possession Listen, mover man. or possession finisher. Listen, man, by any means, I know I'm no superstar. I'm not the guy that's going to create and make plays or be in a pick and roll. That's not my game. I'm, I'm a catch and shoot guy, space the floor, play do good defense. When we're missing our point guard or point guards, we don't have Shake, we don't have Ben, it's only Brees. And they have me playing that position, playing point guard some of the game. It's, it's like you said, even the volume of shots that I'm getting now, even with Ben back, it's more than normal. I'm having to take more shots than I normally have, which I'm not complaining about, but playing out of position is very different. It's new territory. Me playing pick and roll game, figuring out, trying to figure out how to get the ball to Joel. Um, also give Reese a break. Um, but, you know, luckily we have Ben and Reese back. Uh, hopefully they don't foul out next game, but, you know, playing out of position is different. The volume is different. Um, you know, getting people in, in certain sets, offense and organization is very different territory for me. Having a coach, you know, learn, also run it from a different position and also take different type of shots that I'm normally not used to taking. Yeah, I'm, as somebody who's in, who just loves basketball in general, I am happy to see that you are now in an offense when everything's back together, uh, where uh, you are getting kind of more of the looks that you would desire that puts you in a rhythm more. We discussed this before the show. You're, you have a career high right now in assists, and that's just because the ball is pitching around a lot more. And that's because Joel has been so good at demanding double teams. And I think Doc and the coach staff has worked really well in putting you guys in position to where if Joel outlets, the ball is going to start pinging around the perimeter and good things have happened when you're fully healthy, which obviously For is sure. another story enough for another day. 
Well, definitely. I think uh, a, lot of, a lot of my career high in assists has to do with Seth been on fire and making shots when he was there um, and scoring abundance. But we were moving the ball. And I think it's preference for anybody, anybody that's a shooter, anybody that's a basketball player. Um, you know, our preference of those type of shots, everybody's moving in, in rhythm, catching in rhythm, shooting and, you know, finding each other. And it starts with Joel. He's done a great job of, you know, getting out of double team, also taking his time, picking apart defense, picking and choosing when to score, uh, but also trusting us to be there to knock down shots or to, you know, get him open. Um, and, you know, he's letting, getting off the ball and finding us and we knocking down shots and hopefully keeping the defense honest to where he'll have to play one-on-one because it can't keep doubling if we're knocking down shots the way we, we were knocking down shots before uh, the COVID hit. Uh, another thing that I, I, I did want to look back on and you and I and, and Jed, we were all talking about maybe we should record while you were in New York and maybe like, all right, let's see what the league is going to do first before we decide to record. Can you summarize what you have gone through personally, what the team has gone through with all of these things as it as all of these protocols as it relates to COVID, whether it's you had contact, so therefore you have to sit seven days out, or you know, you and I have, we talked about this on the show. This is public information. You mm -hmm. had COVID already. So, like, does that give you, do you have antibodies that allows you to be maybe more close contact? You don't have to worry. Can you still get it again? I know there's been a report today that some guys have gotten it again, but maybe you have the antibodies. And so some guys have to sit out seven days. You were able to play again. I have. It's so convoluted. And I'm sure maybe you don't even have all the answers. How are you processing everything that's happening on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, well, so I was very new to it when it was hit, when it was in LA, when we first got it and we're still learning about it with our team. Now, I wouldn't say I'm professional, but I understand it pretty well. Uh, but New York was a, a shit show, uh, to say the least. You know, after we found out uh, after the game, we had to stay there, get tested, get tested the next morning to see if Seth was a false positive or not or whoever else, you know, might have been positive or contact tracing, uh, figuring that out. Uh, so the next day we were just waiting in a hotel, waiting to get results. I'm like, well, if the results say worst case scenario, all results, everybody's still positive. What happens then? We go back to Philly. So what are we waiting for? Why don't you just go back to Philly anyway? We didn't get out of New York till the next day at like around midnight. We didn't get home till like after one o'clock. And we had a game, you know, at 3 p.m. the next day after that. Uh, so it was, it was a whirlwind, man. And it was... It was it was wild, um, but you know I think finally you know, we're getting our legs back under us a little bit. Uh, we're starting to understand it. We're getting more testing now because we had somebody with a positive. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully we don't catch it again. Hopefully we don't sit out any longer. Um, hopefully we don't have to test as much anymore once they come back. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a wild couple of days uh, since New York. Yeah, so in the entirety of the league is really going through uh, a myriad of issues right now. I think Zach Lowe had a report recently where he interviewed uh, or talked to a bunch of guys anonymously, but talked to a couple sources in the league where he basically said that nobody's really enjoying uh, what's happening right now in terms of being able to enjoy the game because of all the protocols and, and all the, the array of challenges that COVID does present. I do want to give you this George Hill quote that obviously you know George Hill well. He said, I'm a grown man, so I'm going to do what I want to do. If I want to go see my family, family, I'm going to go see my family. They can't tell me what I'm going to do. If it's that serious, maybe we shouldn't be playing. And I think this is overall his, his sense of the confinement that, that trying to follow these protocols brings. And obviously you're going to do what you have to do in order to help the team be successful. But I think that does illuminate the challenges that this season does, does uh, bring for you guys. Even though you're outside the bubble, there's still 
an, an enormous amount of restriction and for a good reason, but it must be difficult to deal with, especially with how things can cascade once one thing goes negatively wrong. For example, Seth Curry's positive test, and we've seen what happened, what's happened since then. For sure. Um, and that tweet, I guess, I am Harrison Sanford. Is that what your tweet, Twitter is? Harrison Sanford? Yes. Um, looking at your Twitter. But um, I mean, I agree with George, but that, that those difficulties come with certain people's lifestyle, certain guys. George is older, older guy. I mean, I don't see him trying to be out. He's just trying to be with his family, and that's understandable. And I think the league has done a good job of, of giving us the access to able to get our family and close ones tested if we wanted to. Um, so, yeah, outside of that, I think it's tougher for the younger guys that actually want to be out in bars, clubs, and lounges and doing those type of deals. Most of us, the other ones, other guys are okay with being at home with their families and just relaxing and chilling and don't need, not needing to be out. Um, but at the same time, they still restrict us from being able to travel like on our own to see our families. Like I had to get a pass to go to New York to see my family. So we'll not fly with the team, actually drive there because um, they want everybody on the, the team playing those protocols. Uh, so we have to talk to the league about getting certain passes to do that, um, which is kind of extreme. But, um, you know, they have to take these precautions. And I think the biggest thing is they just don't want guys out in public as much. Now, we understand most guys are with their families, but with your family, that doesn't mean you should be partying with your family or doing so. You want to be safe with them as well. But, you know, you can get them tested um, if you want to. Uh, if you want to be very safe, but you know, these are the people that we're with before we came here to training camp or while we're with, uh, while we've been here during training camp or during the season. So it shouldn't be a big deal to go visit them when we want to. Yeah. It's uh, and then obviously then there's this level of sacrifice that those people have to make. I actually, uh, for everybody who's listening or watching, I also do a show uh, with a key to leave formerly of the LA Rams. And we had Devonte Adams, your homie on the show just recently, and he's getting ready for a playoff game this weekend on Saturday. And the level of sacrifice that he has to make, and not just him, but his family has to make, because Everybody the NFL is not the NFL is not rescheduling that playoff game. So if mm -hmm. you're out, if you got COVID, you're out. For example, the Browns just last weekend, their coach had COVID. He's Kevin Stefanski. He couldn't coach. He had to do it remotely. They're not rescheduled games, and we're starting to see some games being postponed in the NBA. But as you know, you just played a career high 49, 50 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> they're so, gonna make you play the games if you have enough bodies for sure um they postponed the games they want to postpone when we're still a little upset about that we felt like we should have had that that first game that we had everybody out postponed when we played denver but it didn't happen so some of the games are postponed but they're gonna play body. they're gonna play with who they have out there um and said so you have to with your family tell them to be safe and they're gonna put you at risk so um you have to be safe and the people that ever visit you or you go visit you have to let them know look you need to get tested or you need to be safe and not be out here doing anything crazy so um, that I can visit you and not put myself or my team at risk um, of missing games. So, yeah, that's a, that's a precaution that everybody in every league has to take right now. Uh, you and I, we, we trend towards a positive outlook on things. So a, a number of positive things have happened. Uh, well, the number of positives you can take from this situation, a number of younger guys are getting a lot of experience, Dakota Mathias hitting that big three, playing big major minutes, Isaiah Joe, Tyrese Massey's look, look great. His floater game is tough. Uh, so there's that benefit. Uh, and there's a level of, I guess there's comfortability that you guys are getting with each other that maybe those guys would have never gotten. Um, so you could always draw some positive, but obviously there's a lot to work with.
What's up, what's up, everybody? It's Danny Green here, back with more Inside the Green Room. My co-host, Harrison Sanford, and we're blessed to be joined by the one and only Matisse Teibel. Um, Matisse, man, appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's been amazing uh, being your teammate for these first couple of weeks. Always, I've always liked your game, and since you've been drafted, I always compared you to a combination of me and Kawhi somewhat. You know, you can shoot it, uh, you can defend, you have very good, uh, I guess, reflexes. Um, cat-like reflexes and defensively just been amazing man but um recently been doing a vlog uh i guess right before the bubble or so yeah tell yeah. us about that and then are you still doing them um how's that going where can we find them uh talk okay. a little about it yeah so i mean i started the vlog when we got to the bubble and it was just like my way to document the whole thing i was like i was that guy walking around everywhere with a camera shooting everything but i mean it went really well like people really enjoyed watching it i put them all up on YouTube that you can find them now and I mean as of right now it's all to be determined like we'll see how things are going once this basketball gets rolling and we all get into a groove I might pick it up again I heard you broke Gary Payton's Pac-12 steals record I mean I heard you guys played you know I guess change your defenses throughout the years he has different coaching staffs yeah um, but I was wondering do you have any defensive goals this year uh, and defensive goals for your career as you're entering you know a young player in this league yeah um I mean, for me, I think, for me, stats are something I try not to chase because it's it's a it's a rat race that gets that gets dangerous. But I mean, when it comes to steals and blocks and deflections, like last year, I think, like in terms of rookies, I think I led all rookies in steals, and I was like top ten in blocks. And then this year, I want to try and be, in terms of just all NBA, top ten in steals, and then. I don't know how, I think blocks was going to be harder, so maybe top 20, but I mean, even in terms of like, we talked about this in the locker room that one day, just like in terms of guards, like how it, it goes like you, Ben, then me in terms of blocks per game as guards. And so I'm just continuing that. Didn't know this, that you were qualified to be, on a, you have a dual citizenship. Mm -hmm. I did not know, because when I first met you, I actually was like, are you French? Do you speak French? You were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like no, um, I'm Haitian, but my parents didn't teach me to. But I, didn't, I know you had dual citizenship with Australia. So yeah. talk more about that. They, if you you can play for the Australian team, national team. Have you and Ben talked about that, doing that one day? Yeah. No, then that's actually the plan for uh, this upcoming Olympics is to play for Australia. And it's it's random, I know, because, like, you look at me, you hear my voice, you like, <laughs> none of it says Australian. But, yeah, we lived there for, like, four or five years when when we were kids. My sister was born out there. We just, literally, my dad's work took us out there and we stayed for a little bit. And after staying there long enough, we were able to like apply for citizenship. We got it and we just maintained it. That's dope, man. That's awesome. yeah. I've never been, I always wanted to go. So it's uh, on the bucket list for your boy. Uh, Matisse, if you could just talk about, and Danny, I'm sure you, it's probably interesting for you to see Matisse go through this process. Year two was a big year. And obviously your year two was obviously very different because you were no longer with Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Year two is a big year for an NBA player. And so to get thrown, into this new mix with a team that contending for a title in that title contender realm, but having a weird off season coming off a weird end of last season, how much are you, how are you adjusting Matisse and, and, and Danny, what advice have you lent him to going through this process? Because a, a young player in a developmental year on a contending team uh, with all the nuances of COVID and, and, fan restrictions and all this type of stuff. It must be uh, a lot to handle. Matisse, I'll let you go first. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, the off season wasn't, everyone talks about how your off season's your chance to grow and like get better. And I mean, this 
obviously Danny's offseason was shorter than anybody's, but like ours across the league was short. And then also just being hurt through the second half of my offseason, it, it took the time that you have to grow and like build off of last year and just significantly shrunk it down. But I will say this, that I'm so lucky and I'm really excited to be playing with, with you, Danny, because just being someone that coming into the league, like I kind of fit the mold of like a Danny Green where it's like a three and D player. And I would like, my dream would be to have a career modeled after yours. Like to be a champion, to be like, to be able to confirm yourself year in and year out that you are an elite level defender and a great shooter is just, it's, it's an amazing accomplishment. I appreciate that, man. Hopefully I can keep that up, but I'm just as excited, man, because I said, I, like you said, I see a lot of you and me, but a better version. I mean, definitely more athletic than I was. You know, you do better instincts defensively. I had to you, you I had to use my my IQ to try to outsmart guys. I wasn't as athletic enough to do it. Um, but I said the advice that I gave him, uh, Harry, that you asked. Um, first of all, just trying to learn everybody in the locker room. But he has to grow. I said unfortunately he wasn't able to grow as much this off season. Um, but I love that he has the defense on the floor. He's just extremely confident. He knows what he can bring to the table. He's aggressive um, offensively. He is at times, but sometimes I'm trying to help him grow in that area, like just be offensively more aggressive. And that doesn't mean score, you know, but, you know, be aggressive in the sense you can still make plays for your team, make to, you know, make plays, look for plays for yourself. But by while doing that, you can make plays for your teammates um, and be confident. So because said he very capable of, of being a great shooter and a, a great person that can, you know, slash at the same time and probably make play too here and there. Um, but I think he, what's great about him he knows himself his iq is very high so he knows what he can and can't do and he's like you know i'm not going to force the issue uh, but sometimes it's okay to force the issue that's the only way he's going to be able to grow and said because the offseason's so short he's gonna have to do it in games and he's gonna have to try we're gonna and that's fine everybody's gonna have mistakes we have to grow and hopefully win games as we're making mistakes but have these guys groom these guys him you know maxi our rookies a lot of younger guys and have them grow while we're hopefully winning games and making mistakes but because by the time playoff comes around, we're going to need those guys, especially him. He's going to be X factor for us defensively and offensively for us moving forward and beating certain teams. If we can get, you know, eight to ten out of him, or you know, him confidently knocking down a shot, or him just being a threat like out there, they have to respect that, and it opens up the lanes for Joel, opens the lanes for Ben and everybody else. But every piece matters, and that's why we said I'm going to push him and every other young guy to grow for when we prepare for the playoffs that we're going to need them ready. Um, and so that we can get over that home. And, and lastly, before we let you, before we get into our game rather yet, uh, and Danny, and, and if you could elaborate on this too, I find it interesting because when you are a young player, mm -hmm. um, especially somebody who has the build of Matisse, you, it's not wrong to have visions of grandeur. It's not wrong to envision yourself as a perennial all-star oh, or as like a, a title, you know, a leading leading person on a title winning team. And, but in this situation where you already have a situation where Ben and Tobias and, and, and Joel, obviously, I always found it interesting. How do you balance like your personal expectations or your personal you know, aspirations versus like fitting the team goal? It's kind of hard. I feel as if when you're a rookie and you're on a title winning team, as opposed to going to a team that's destined for the lottery and you have a number of shots that you can take. I think of like the Deion Waiters situation for sure. where, he went to, where he was drafted by Cleveland top five pick, but he's with LeBron and Kyrie, but he expects a certain level of himself because that's what he wanted all Definitely. the entire, of, you know, growing up. So if you guys could elaborate on that. I don't mean to cut game. you off, Harrison, but uh, I knew exactly where you're going with that. And I definitely 
uh, understand what you're saying, but a lot of that starts with self-awareness. And I said, this is why he's such a high IQ guy. He's very self-aware of what he is, who he is and what he can do. And, you know, a lot of guys, not a lot of, just a lot of people in the world, not just in the league, NBA, they're a little delusional about themselves and they think they're better than what they really are, um, which it's okay that you're supposed to have that confidence. You're supposed to think that, um, be confidently saying and approach things that way. Um, but I do like the guys that kind of undersell themselves um, because I think it leads more room for growth because he's probably a lot better than he gives himself credit, which is a good start because, you know what I'm saying, you don't have to humble him. You know, a lot of other guys, if it's the other way around, you have to humble guys, then it's harder for them to take a back seat or to understand what their role is. He already knows where he's at and where, what he could be, which he's already probably past that and better than that. Um, but once you get that people behind him to encourage him, and to you know push him to you know be how great he can be, and he starts to understand that um, you know he's in a good place right now. But he, he's gonna be he said he's gonna be great for us. He's gonna be an X factor. He has a good self awareness, and I think he said the sky's a limit for him, and he can still do that with being humble and understanding that he's you know not an all star right now, but he can can grow into that. I've seen a lot of guys do it, which you never expected from certain people. I said when Kawhi first came in, nobody expected that or seen that. Um, so you know it's very you know, at reach for him. But, you know, I think the first step for him is that where he's at now is his great self-awareness. Matias, if you just follow up. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said about us four-year guys. Like guys who do four years in college, it, it's, I think it's humbling, but it also brings a lot of self-awareness because you see teammates go to the league. You see dudes who you might have thought you were better than or your numbers are better than go to the league. Like you see it all and you got to sit there through it and like, let it be known that college is not easy. Like it's a grind. And like you get to year four, most guys don't want to be there anymore. And it's like, it's just the reality of the situation. And like, if you can get through that and then make it to where we are now, it's it's like you have no delusion of who you are or what you do. It's like you've proven it over these four years. And now it's like, you have the things that you can hang your hat on. And like, for me, that's like defense and three point shooting. And it's there's no reason for me to try and get outside of myself and do something other than that because I know what got me here and I know it's going to keep me here and now it's just about building on that and like you said you've got to figure out where you're at now until you can get to where you want to go and, and that's definitely a good point because a four-year guys we have a chip on our shoulder and we have to keep proving it and I think that's also what keeps us humble and unsatisfied about the scenario because we're always constantly doubted we're going to keep, have to keep continue to and we have not just proved to others, but also proved to ourselves. And we always should always take the criticism. I think that's our biggest drive, biggest motivation is the negative, the critics out there and people that always doubt us. And we're always doubted from before we even got here and even till now. So um, I think that's what keeps us going and keeps striving in that direction, uh, but also very self-aware of where we are. So as we promised, we were going to play a little game between Danny Green and Matisse. So uh, I wonder what you guys, if you guys were going to play a little, this game with each other, mm -hmm. is there a friendly bet that you guys might want to have with each other? I know you guys were mentioning Secret Santas, but is there a bet that you guys would have? I don't know. Push-up seemed a little bit too corny for me. Mm -hmm. But once we finish <laughs> the game, there has to be something on the line. I know you don't know what the game is, but it'll be worth it. We can do something, maybe. You know, we're not allowed to gamble or anything, but we can do a gentleman's bet somehow. 
Yeah, yeah, keep it very genuine. This is, uh, it'll be something along the lines of getting to know your teammates. Okay. Who wants first? I'll, I'll, I'll jump in first though, let you know, Tisa. Okay, we'll do that. Get, get comfortable and then I'll, you know. Okay, Danny. Mm-hmm. Here's your first question. Again, this is about getting to know Matisse. Okay. What team drafted Matisse in last year's draft? Before he was traded to Philly. The Orlando Magic, the Philadelphia 76ers, uh-huh. the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. I don't think he was Austin traded. Celtics or the Chicago Bulls. One more he, time, which team drafted yeah. your teammate, Matisse yeah. Steibel? The 76ers, the Golden State Warriors, the Chicago Bulls, the Orlando Magic. You were traded to the Boston way. Celtics. He was not traded. I don't think he's traded. I think he was drafted by Philly. Am I mistaken? Matisse? That? Oh, is that is that your final answer? Yeah, that's my final answer, bro. I, I, honestly. Matisse? Boston Celtics. Boston, wow. Traded on draft night. That, well, thanks, Boston, for uh, <laughs> Good you know, Yeah, okay. Okay. Do you remember, do you remember that draft experience, Matisse? This, yeah. Did you, in terms of like getting traded? Yeah, it was it was weird because so like if anyone who's been to the draft, like you see the cameras come to your table, and then my agent leaned over to me and he's like, "So Boston's about to draft you, but you're gonna end up in Philly." And I was like, "I'm like trying to like understand <laughs> this as like they hand me the hat and I'm going up shaking hands and like, what is going on? I get off, take the hat off, and they're like, "How are you? Like how's?" Excited to be going to Boston. I was like, uh, <laughs> like it was, it was <laughs> as a young kid, it's hard to be able to politically correct, like the correct way, answer those questions. Yes. Yeah, I'm so excited about Boston, but in your mind, knowing you're not going to be there. Exactly. Um, so I, I could imagine that trying to, you know, take all that in at that moment and try to answer those questions had to be crazy. Yeah, it was a lot. People kept asking me if I wanted to keep the hat on, and I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> Question number two, Danny. Yeah. Now, according to Wikipedia, this is not, I haven't verified it, verified it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Matisse couldn't consistently make layups until eighth grade. He went on to Washington, obviously, and played very well there, won a Defensive Player of the Year award. Uh, My question for you. We know it's all bullshit. We know you can According to ESPN.com. Yeah, Matisse, we could address that after. <laughs> according to ESPN, <laughs> what star recruit was Matisse a five-star, a four-star, or a three-star? Mind you, he went to the University of Washington. Yes. I think he was like a four. I want to say four-star, three or four-star, I want to say. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to say, can I say three and a half, four? Can I say four? I'm going to say four. I'm going to say four-star. Matisse, do you know this answer? I, I think I was a four-star. I might have been a three. I don't really remember. ESPN had you as a four-star. All right. I know my teammate a little bit. It's still early in the season, but I know a little bit. I know a little bit. Okay. Uh, what defense did Matisse play in college, Danny? Man-to-man or 2-3 zone? At Washington? Mm-hmm. I think they mixed it up, but I want to say they played more... I want to say they played more man-to-man. We My last two years, we played basically only zone. Damn. <laughs> I, I, that, the West Coast conferences, man, I, I wasn't... No, and, that, and that was brought over from Syracuse. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Was one of your coaching staff from, from Syracuse? To, yep. Mike uh, Hopkins, he was like the assistant there for like 20 years. Wow. After my sophomore year, came to Washington. 
Uh, and one and one defensive player of the year off of a two three zone, which is pretty damn impressive. That's, yeah, it's really impressive. It's a little bit easier for them to understand. Final question: uh, Matisse, as a dual citizen, is eligible to play for the Australian national team, obviously if they select him. Mm -hmm. uh, my question for you, Danny: Does the Australian national team have an actual? I guess it wouldn't be referred to as a mascot name, but I guess it would be a country name for the team. Here are some examples. Uh, the Australia Koalas, okay. the Australian Outback, mm -hmm. the Australian Australia Boomers, okay. the Australia Kangaroos, or do they have no country slash mascot name? I want to say they do have a name. Um, I should know this because I was teammates with Patty Mills for a long time. You should. I had Aaron Baines with me for a while. I know Joe. You English want the options well. again? Is it the Kangaroos? Um, do I have to I'm not telling pick you the answer until you tell to, you until you say it's your final answer. I'm not telling you. I think it's the Boomers. I think um, Australian. Australia. I think they have a name. So is that correct? Then I have to pick a name. Correct. I'm not telling you, Danny, until you right. say it's they your have, final they answer. They have a mascot. Yes, they have a mascot name. That's my final answer. And and which one is it? You have Outback, Kangaroos, Koalas, or Boomers. I'm gonna go boomers and play it safe. Well played. Yeah. Played. Yeah, you got it. Right. <laughs> so right. what was that? Two. So that was two out of three. Well, yeah, four, two out three of, out of four. Two out of four, something like that. Two out of four. I got two, three zone wrong, and I got the draft night wrong for sure. Yes, you did. All right, Matisse. Hey, learn a little bit about uh, your guy Danny here. Danny, Danny did please add good. some commentary. Like that, that was <laughs> way better than I was expecting. We're only in with teammates for like two weeks. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Danny's younger brother Devante is currently playing in Greece after playing in after graduating from college this past spring. What college, Big Ten school, did he play for? Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, or Indiana? Uh, family questions are tough. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Indiana. I don't know why. Go ahead, Danny. You got it. Yeah, that's correct, man. That's correct. Really? Yeah, that's, that's correct. You went to IU. Just yeah. gut, man. <laughs> uh, coincidentally, Danny and his brother also are very similar in the fact that they have uh, shooting-related, like basketball shooting-related tattoos on their bodies. Uh, Danny's brother, Devontae, has the unlimited... Auto Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, the Grand, Grand Theft Auto. Auto. That's dope. He has the, uh, yeah, the unlock or the... Was it... You know the um, he has. He was the first one to have the um. Oh wait, is it like the control thing? It, not the controller. It's the the what's the name to unlock the cheat auto, code on the cheat code. It's the oh. cheat code for the unlimited ammo. Is the so, code written is like words or is it's like, like written. Yeah, like L one triangle L two. Oh. Yeah, it's like on his. I think it's on his shooting arm or his left That's arm. Where he gets unlimited ammo on his left arm. I guess yeah. So, all right, uh, Matisse. So you're one. You're one for one. I think you kind of got lucky with that one, but one for one nonetheless. Uh, next question. What number was Danny wearing when he set the NBA Finals record for most threes in the Finals? It's been broken since then. What number was he wearing? Number one. Number 14. Number 24. Number four. Let's just go with 14. Is that a safe answer? But it, it's incorrect. Um, I couldn't wear that number when I first got to San Antonio. Somebody else had it. 
and really? I went, Gary Neal had it. So I was number four really? um, for my first couple of years there. And then right after, I think after the final, after the two finals, I was able to switch. Like you only change your number. There's a rule after a certain amount of years, you have to wait like three years before you can change your number. So, but they let me do it in like, I think it was like five years. They let me do it in two or three years. Yeah. I changed it to 14 after the finals to, um, after a year. Wow. Gary left after Gary left. I was able yeah. to change that number. That's cool. I actually wore four in college. Uh, yeah. Nice. It's a good number. There we go. There, there was some. There was a reason why I asked. There was some connective tissue there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Matisse, what is the official name of Danny Green's podcast? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. That's institutional. Yeah, give, give him some options, bro. Oh no, there's no options. You're on the show. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give him some options. I'll give him some options. Okay, go, go ahead. ahead. Option A, green light. Option B, inside the green room. Option C, green ranger. And option D. The name of the show, Green Ranger? Yeah, bro. Cool. Okay. All right, all right, is, all right. it, is it inside the green room? There you go. There you go. Oh, that was a that was a layup, Danny. Yeah, well, I gave him some options, but he was like, yeah, I, need, I need to hear it again. I couldn't pull it out of nothing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Green light was and... dead green light, so that's why I put yeah. that one in there. I couldn't think of any so, other options. So I think that would make uh Matisse three or four already, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Wow, he so he's already beaten you. Yeah, he won. No, so it's game over. All right, so what's the bet? I'll, I'll do a couple push-ups. You don't like push-ups. I'll do a couple push-ups. No, I mean, come on now. All right, let's try to think. Um, what would you like, a, Matisse? He doesn't have any rookie duties this year. Because um, I could have, you know, changed or placed for a rookie duty, you know, day. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm trying to think of what we have this year that makes this year terrible. Like, we have the rapid testing. We have uh, in the facility. What do we have? We're masked everywhere we go. Yeah. Traveling, I had to carry some stuff. Well, COVID, man, there's not much we can do, man. Oh, uh, it's really a struggle. We can do, uh, so I think the push ups are going to have to be it, bro. Yeah, push ups might we'll, be it. We'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll start. I'll give him, you know what, this is what I'll do. I'll talk to Doc, and if we don't know who the starting lineup is, if he does not have any <laughs> start this year, I'll give him my starting, line, my starting position. <laughs> take an extra, hey, Danny, take an extra rest day this year. Yeah, and mandate that it has to be Matisse. And Matisse has to start. <laughs> has to start. So yes, if we if he does not start this year, I will give him my starting position for one of the games for sure. There we go, uh, Matisse. We appreciate your time, uh, Danny. Any last words? No, man. Thank you so much, man, for joining us, man. It's been amazing. Uh, you know, people check out his vlog. I don't know if he's not doing it anymore as right now, but you can still check out the episodes. Where where can we find that? I mean, YouTube, Instagram. I think I post them on Twitter. But YouTube's the way to go. Dope, dope. Appreciate the time, man. Appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, and hopefully have you back after the end of the year when we are celebrating, you know, hopefully sure. winning a championship. For sure. Appreciate you guys having me.